Welcome to the Parent Toolbox podcast from the Inventive Minds Child, Youth, and Family Center. We are a not-for-profit organization helping families with day-to-day parenting ups and downs from expectancy to teen. Thank you so much for joining this Inventive Minds Child, Youth, and Family Support Center workshop hosted by me, Adam Stavis, your youth development mentor and coach. And coach, today's workshop topic is about co-parenting life and your parenting right access. Inventive Minds Child, Youth, and Family Support Center, a not-for-profit organization, helps families and children. Inventive Minds offers family law mediation services, a private-inspired Montessori school, and early years childcare facility, parent and youth support therapy, community services for new moms and parenting courses related to children aid services, mediation, separation, and divorce. They also help families by creating parenting plans, child support, spousal support, and asset evaluation. Connect with Inventive Minds to learn more about their school, new mom services, their therapist and practitioner for day-to-day parenting challenges, support programs from newborns to teens, and adult group support programs for reconnecting with your children and developing an emotionally attuned parenting strategy. To clarify, I am a youth development coach and I am not a licensed medical doctor, psychologist, psychiatrist, master's in family and child counseling, or master's in social work. If you believe that you or anyone you know needs the help of a licensed medical doctor, psychologist, psychiatrist, master's in family and child counseling, or master's in social work, do speak with your family doctor, local walk-in clinic, or hospital. Today we have two guest speakers with us, which is awesome. Rose Morsch. She has experience of over 20 years in child development and a bachelor's in child development, RECE, parent practitioner and family mediator. She specializes in working with infancy to teens and is the director of operations for Inventive Minds Child Youth and Family Support Center. We also have Brandon Hay, the founder of the Black Daddies Club and consultant, which brings over 10 years of experience working in Canada and internationally with a background in strong mobilizing leadership and facilitation skills. Brandon has been recognized for his work in the community by winning the African Canadian Achievement Awards of Excellence for Parenting in 2011 and the Black Business and Professional Association Distinguished Man of Honor Award in 2010. Amazing to have you here, Brandon. Great to have you here, Rose. Thank you so much for joining. Pleasure. We're going to go through Brandon first. Let's go through as many questions as we can. Let's jump right into this discussion. If you could, though, please tell us a little bit about yourself and your educational background. My name is Brandon Hay. I'm a father of three young men. I started the Black Daddies Club. This is our 15th year. The mandate for the Black Daddies Club, first one is to create spaces for Black men and Black fathers for us to talk about our challenges as well as our victories as parents. The second is to work with the media and to create our, our own media to depict Black fathers in a more positive light, much like what we're doing today, basically, and to do around community-based education. So a lot of our work started in Black barbershops, and that's the way we sort of we go in and have conversation with Black men and Black fathers. Also, find out what kind of programming that they want to do or what they want to get into. I have a master's in environmental studies from York University and a specialization in business and environment certificate from Tulick School of Business. And I'm in my third year at the Gestalt Institute of Toronto, studying to be a therapist. There's a need for more Black male therapists in the city of Toronto. And yeah, I'm going to pause there. Oh, wow. So you are highly educated, clearly, and also highly motivated, which is great. And it's good to see leadership in any community, no matter what it is. Please, let's start off by um, also, if you wouldn't mind sharing with us your road to parenting and how separation affected you personally. I was married for 16 years and we've been separated for five years and recently divorced. 
in that five-year process of the separation, that's when I went back to school to become a therapist. I started to go to therapy for the first time when I was about to turn 40. If someone asked me 10 years ago, where did I see myself at 40? It wasn't, this wasn't it. I wasn't seeing myself separated. I heard about this program called the Gestalt Institute of Toronto. What attracted me to it was that the first five years, like it's a five-year program, but the first two years, you're doing intensive work on yourself. And I, I felt like I needed that. I felt like as a, a human being, as a man, I was shedding, I give it the caterpillar and the butterfly vibe. Like I was shedding the old skin that wasn't serving me any purpose, but I just didn't know how to do it. So yeah, I went back to school and that's been super helpful. Also it helped me reimagine how to co-parent and especially learning how to co-parent from outside the home. Cause that's, that's the biggest thing for me. For someone who took a lot of pride in terms of like, you know, getting up in the mornings and waking my kids up and being like creative in terms of waking them up or making dinner every day. The, the fact of like being in my home where I used to live, I feel like an outsider, right? So like navigating these different emotions and also getting used to like living on my own and being alone. I had my children early. So I went from living at my mom's place to like moving in with my partner. We got married. And then now in my 40s, it's learning how to get to know myself. And that's been a journey within itself. Right. So a huge change. You've gone through a huge change in your life. Really interesting because this huge change could have knocked you down. must have affected you really intensely, deeply, emotionally, absolutely. But at the same time, you use this as a means to be able to also change yourself in an inspiring way. So good on you for doing that. Really, really great. Yeah, man. Yeah. Now, if you could, based upon this personal experience you have of co-parenting, if you could give us three tips on co-parenting, what would they be based upon your experience? I'm going to give a similar disclaimer as you did, is recognizing that I'm still going through it. I think for myself, I had to learn when to tap out during difficult conversation and being transparent about my emotions, not having difficult conversations when I was heated, recognizing that there are certain patterns between my ex and myself, and there's certain ways that they know and I know how to maybe push a button because they're not wanting our children to see those patterns. I think the other piece was keep the focus on the well-being of our, of our children or our sons. So even though we're not married, we're still a part of a team. Between my ex-wife, we have three sons that have half her genes, half my genes. doesn't matter how upset I get. I never talk badly about my children's mother in front of them. That's why I go to therapy. That's why I create spaces with other Black men for us to talk about some of these things. It's important to vent in a way that's not just about this other person, but also with a therapist to be like, okay, what patterns did you do? And then you're like, okay. And I think even with therapy, recognizing there's like, oh, I was doing some messed up stuff right going back and like maybe apologizing later on or just say hey i recognize i did this thing back when and i think have honest dialogues with my ex when possible but not shaming conversations so using language is not shaming but being honest um, right i think i'll pause there okay very very well said i like this uh, sense of accountability that you're talking about because i think a lot of people have a very difficult time for that which is normal it's, it's easy to get defensive about things or to think that it's the other person that has made the faults and made the mistakes and steered the relationship we forget at times that Everybody plays a role in their own relationships. And also this idea about being mindful, being aware of how am I feeling in a moment? Should I really be acting upon these feelings or should I be reflecting upon them, understanding them first, getting to know perhaps where they're even coming from? Because a lot of times these emotions and thoughts can stem from something that has nothing to even do with the relationship. It can stem from something that happened way, way, way earlier on. And then another interaction just triggered those feelings that are kind of always there and buried essentially. So great tips, Brandon. Thank you so much. Now, how were you able to handle your emotions, separation, 
and the well-being of the children as this was all happening to you? I think the first thing therapy was and still is important for me during this process of the separation, now divorce. Being back here in the Gestalt Institute, I'm able to sort of practice weekly with my colleagues, even though we're different entry points, different genders, et cetera, et cetera. We're all on this journey in terms of working through and getting closer to ourselves. Having that space to be vulnerable and practice really go deeper and it's contained. I think that is one. The other piece is Maybe a year and a half ago, I started this thing called Sunday Dinners, and it's a monthly gathering for Black men over Zoom. I recognized that I was feeling some depression, and a lot of my spaces, like barbershops or going to sports games or going to grab a beer with my friends, all of those things were shut down. I was just working from home, isolated, and I was just like, yo, I need to connect with other men. I get it, man. And it's been amazing. It's the last Sunday of every month. These men that are showing up are not just fathers. These men could be trans, gay, straight, mixed race, living with a disability. As long as they identify as Black, they're in the space. And we're really practicing how to be vulnerable with each other. And the, the most interesting thing I saw was that we're seeing men from Brazil, across the States, across Canada, the UK. We're also seeing that this need for support or just spaces for men to talk is, is needed across the board. I think that's the other piece. The other piece I want to say is learning how to be vulnerable with my three sons, building relationships with them. Like this is a part of the reimagining of what it means to be a father now. Not trying to maintain this tough persona, but if I'm feeling sad, have a conversation with them about it. I have to navigate feelings of feeling weak, even amongst my sons, even though I co-created these human beings. And that just speaks to some of the jargon around masculinity that I'm learning, you know what I'm saying? Right. I wanted to show my sons a different kind of masculinity than they, they can see out there. For sure. I really understand what you're saying because it is a big part of our culture and a lot of men are raised in such a way where you don't cry, for instance, you don't express sadness, you express more neutrality, you don't even necessarily get overly excited for a long period of time, try to always stay level-headed and cool like a cucumber, no matter what. The reality is we're human beings and we experience all kinds of feelings and it's normal to feel stuff. As a man, you need to understand how to process those feelings. And if you can process them correctly, responsibly, in a healthy way, and you can pass it on, especially to your children, so they can grow up in a way where they can also interact with their environment and understand themselves really well and understand how to respond to the feelings that they have, then that's amazing. Good on you, really. It sounds like the process you've gone through has really been transformative in a very positive way for you. And it's interesting how something really, really awful can happen that you couldn't even foresee and you could never imagine, but then you've made some amazing choices. I really hope that anybody that's listening to this can take Brandon's example of what's possible. And just remember that And if you ever have a moment where you're just not sure what to do because your world is turned upside down, just remember Brandon, he's figured it out and definitely so can you. Yeah, Adam, I appreciate you talking about it. Like, recognizing that, yes, there's a lot of work that has happened. It's also recognizing there's a lot more work to be done because there is a guilt that you're navigating around the separation and so forth. Yeah, I do appreciate that. Oh, my pleasure. My pleasure. Now, I know, Brandon, you do have to go. Uh, the rest of the workshop, we're going to talk to Rose because I know we have Rose here as a speaker as well. Um, we have a lot of questions for you, Rose. So, Brandon, thank you so much for joining us. And I'm sure we'll bump into each other again very soon. Thank okay. you, Brandon. Bye-bye. So, Rose, we got you off now. Yeah. <laughs> There's also a lot to go through with you. Actually, I really enjoyed your discussion with Brandon. It was really nice to hear a man's perspective 
of what co-parenting is because as a family mediator, obviously I'm very neutral, but as a woman, we hear another woman's side more. It's nice to hear a man's perspective when we are going through separation and when we're co-parenting, it's really important that we have to respect both parties. I agree with you 100%. As a man, I understand the male perspective just because I'm a man, but then hearing a woman's perspective as to what it's like to co-parent or, or just things in general, it helps to really get you outside of your own way of thinking, which is so important. Yeah. Uh, now, going through separation, of course, is difficult. Could you share with us what mediation can do to help parents in separation, Rose? So family mediator, we're a mutual party where we sit down and we help both parties to um, have that safe space where they can have a safe conversation, where both parties can be respectful when it comes to children's parenting time or decision-making methods. There's so many things that family mediators will do, but today's discussion is really about parenting time and parenting decision-making. So that's one of the conversations we're having. Okay, fair enough. Now, there is circumstances that can arise from deciding how to co-parent in terms of the time that you're going to spend co-parenting. Could you discuss with us some of the different ways to spend that time, the split parenting time? There's 40%, 60%. Yeah. I'll explain those for you. When a mediation is conducted, normally they look at the best interest of the child. And so does the court if you decide to go to the litigation process. So really, family mediation is where both parties have the opportunity to communicate together and make those decisions of how they want their parenting time and how they want to have that decision-making time to be created rather than having the court system making those decisions for them. There's the shared parenting time, which is when parents split the time spent with their child, where the child lives at least 40% of the time with each parent. There's the split parenting time, which is when parents have more than one child and each parent has one or more children living with them. And there's a supervised parenting time. So those are the times when there's a, some form of a concern. At that time, maybe a grandparent or a social worker provides meetings arranged between the parent and the child. Normally, when a mediation is done, they reflect back on who was more the, the decision maker in the house, who spent most of the time with the children, how were the children's times divided. It gives the parents a time to reflect, to see what really fits for them. And they decide together how they want that parenting time to be and how that decision making is to be made. Sometimes you look at circumstances. You may start with a certain parenting time or a certain schedule because that's what works now. Say you've moved out, you're sharing an apartment with a friend. At this point, you cannot have an overtime because of the kid's best interest. Right. So you're meeting each other in matrimonial home that you haven't sold yet. There's many, many issues that come up. So you may have a short-term parenting schedule, and then eventually you can revisit that. Also with the parenting time, and you look at the child's age. So there is that situation where there's an infant, there's a toddler. The parenting time, the schedule for that child might be very different than if you have an adolescent because now the adolescent has a voice. They have their own schedule. Yeah. So that's where the child inclusive mediation comes in as well because now we're using their voice to help with the parenting schedule as well. Okay. Yeah. So the, the age of the child really makes a big difference. Yes. So this is the real pro towards mediation versus court because court, the decision is just made for you. Whereas when you're in mediation, you can make the decision together and sort out what's going to be best for each other. And it, it's more amicable. And you're able to create that co-parent. Actually, as of March 2021, it's, that's why it's not called custody anymore. It's called parenting time. 
parenting schedule because they want to move away from the litigation aspect of it and they want to move over to what's for the benefit of the child and the long term of the relationship. Because no matter what, after the court, there is that relationship between the two parties and how they communicate and co-parent. Mediation helps with those procedures, helps with those communication. Makes sense. Makes sense. You're already going through a really hard enough time sorting out so many things if you're going through a separation and a divorce. I would imagine the last thing you want is anybody forcing certain circumstances on you. And that's why it's much better to go towards mediation. So you can kind of figure out these things together in the best way possible. So that way nobody has to feel forced to do anything. You can figure out what's best for each other and the children, especially. Okay, great. If you could, because we were discussing all these different parenting time arrangements, how can that affect child support in particular? That's a very complex question because it really goes back to each case being different. There is no one answer to that question. Obviously, the financial disclosure is very important. And that way we can look at the income and there's a special calculation is done based on that split parenting time, based on shared parenting time. You might have a what 40%, but the summertime might be different. There's so much complexity to this, and there's not just one formula to it. That's why a professional family mediator can help you with those processes. And one of the things that I really want to address is child support is for the child. A lot of times parents fear to go after their child support because, you know, I can handle it on my own, but the child support is not for you. The child support is for your child, for their clothes, is there for their food, it's for their shelter. And it's also even for their extracurricular activities. It's important to look at our children's best interests and do what's right for them. Absolutely. And we've talked about child support a few times. We have other workshops and podcasts that we've put together specifically about child support. So if you're listening into this and you want to know more about child support, you can go back and listen to some of those other workshops and podcasts on YouTube, on Spotify, because we go through that in a lot more depth. Today, we got to keep moving it along. Uh, Of course, I want to know how often should your parenting plan be visited and why? Parenting time schedule should be reviewed by the age of the children, should be reviewed in uh, different circumstances that you might go through when there is a change of maybe moving from the area, changes that may happen in your home environment. It's good to keep a good relationship with your family mediator. Find someone that you feel, both of you feel comfortable to communicate with, who's very neutral. So you can always go back and discuss different situations that may come up. It doesn't necessarily need to be just your parenting plan. It could be different discussions about decision-making, things that you may feel that may create a conflict. You can usually go to a mediator to resolve those as well. Now, In terms of decision-making, how is mediation used to help the decision-making process? Usually, we look at how the house was run previously. When we talk about decision-making, there are some day-to-day decision-making, and there's some important decisions. Sometimes, maybe with the day-to-day decision-making, the parent who is taking care of the child at that time will continue making those day-to-day decision-making. And we have those big major decision-making where that could be about the religious, it could be about culture, sport programs or artistic program, those major decisions about education, university can be shared. It doesn't necessarily mean one person has the right to make them. And that all goes into part of the parenting plan, once again, that we were talking about before. Exactly. Right? So it's yeah. all going to be spread out in the parenting plan and it will be discussed. Which is also revised because things change over time that are unforeseen. So Exactly. Fair enough. So how do courts typically look at parenting time? Court normally looks at what was happening in the house right. prior to 
a separation. That's where the court normally looks at, where the litigation comes in. And normally, from other cases that I've read, normally if a parent leaves the house and leaves a partner with the children at home and they go to court, that kind of may affect their parenting time and affect their decision-making in the court system. Because you left the house, you left the matrimonial home, you left. Because it was your own decision to do that. Yes, that's based on case laws that are accessible for individuals to read. That's why it's so important to go to mediation, because there's various circumstances that will put somebody in a position where it really is best for them to leave the home. But then again, then I can put you into a tough situation if you have to go to court over that. Better for everybody to go through the mediation process way better than going to court and being put into a situation where, again, you're being forced to do things that perhaps you wouldn't have had to do if you were able to sit down with a mediator and figure things out. And many times when couples go through that litigation process, the emotional stress that it puts on them, it becomes question for them, why did I even do it? And that can filter down to the children once again, too. Exactly. For sure. And it's going to be emotionally stressful no matter what, but you want to curb as much emotional stress as you can. And when you look at the court cases and you look at the cost that it takes, let's say, to go to a trial, you might end up investing 100K in trial. I know cases where they invest half a million in court right. where this could have been resolved, let's say, by $5,000 mediation. At right. the end, that money could go towards your own children, could go towards your own purchasing a new house. And now there is more anger, there is more frustration, less open communication. So that's why the court system insists of you trying to mediate before moving forward because it doesn't help the couple. And the cost is astronomical. I mean, I know just for myself when I was going through separation and I didn't have any children involved at the time, all I had was a property with somebody and that alone, just figuring that out through the court system was $50,000. I can definitely imagine that if you're having to figure out with children, yeah, it's going to be pretty pricey. Finding a situation where you're going through mediation and you're finding there are areas that there's a conflict and it, it, mediation doesn't mean that it can't resolve the situation, then you can do mediation arbitration rather right. than going to court. So there's still a lot other ways to resolve your conflicts rather than going the long way, which is, may take years, and you still haven't solved your situation and your relationship has gotten more sour rather than being able to heal and moving forward and co-parent. That makes perfect sense. Now, we've given a ton of reasons why mediation is way better in our opinion of uh, over court. Is there anything else that you wanted to touch upon as some other reasons that we haven't talked about yet that might uh, give more insight as to helping somebody to make that choice to go to mediation versus going to court? We talked about cost, the fact that it will be faster to go through mediation, keeping relationships healthy, able to maintain a healthy relationship with your child while you're coping through all these stresses. There's nothing more golden than those, you know, your own mental health and your children's mental health. At the end of the day, this is the person at one point you had a relationship with and you had a child with. So no matter what, maybe you're angry now or you're both hurt at this stage. But in a year from now, when you look back, 10 years from now, when your children look back, When they look at that moment, they want to know, okay, you know what? Yeah, my parents separated. I don't remember too much anger. I don't remember the hatred. Those are the things you want to hear. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. I think we covered everything here. Are there any last words of wisdom that you would like to leave us with before we end today's topic? When we become a parent, our children are our responsibility. Our children are not our asset. 
many times when uh, mediations are conducted, I find parents having this feeling that this is my child. Right. No, you guys are co-parenting. This is not a war. You're raising a child together. So you need to be united at the end of the day. There's no reason to be separate. Very well said. Very, very well said. Well, thank you so much for all that information. So happy to have all of you listening in to this. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for joining this Inventive Minds Child Youth and Family Support Center workshop. Do visit www.inventivekids, again with a Z and not an S, a Z.com to learn about the many other workshops available coming up soon. You can connect with Inventive Minds via email at inventivekids, again with a Z at gmail.com for any parenting challenges so their professional team can connect with you. Check out a replay of this and many of our other podcasts by searching Inventive Kids with a Z on YouTube and the Parent Toolbox on Spotify. Join the Parent Toolbox Facebook community group today by searching the Parent Toolbox on Facebook. Thank you, and we look forward to seeing you again soon. Thank you, Ada. Thanks, Rose. Bye. Make sure to check out inventivekids.com events for other parenting workshops, courses, and events. Thank you.